Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Maggie Gavigan-Smith of Mignon Gavigan, featuring accessories and jewelry that inspires confidence and joy. Listen as Maggie shares the founding story behind Mignon Gavigan that encourages wearers not to wear only good-looking products, but feel good while wearing them. Hello, and welcome to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Maggie Gavigan-Smith of Mignon Gavigan. Maggie, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is this is quite an honor. Of course. Well, I'd like to start out with your upbringing. Um, where did you grow up and what would you say your childhood was like? Um, sorry, if I'm sitting here in a hotel in a trunk show in, in uh, Richmond. So the air conditioning just came on. So sorry if it's a little loud. <laughs> oh, no, I can't even hear it. No worries. Okay, great, great. Um, all right. So... Um, I'm actually from, I was born in DC. My, both my parents um, went to Georgetown and I was born there. And then we um, moved to Charlotte, North Carolina when I was two. And I uh, had an older brother at that point, me. And then um, my parents had two more kids. Two, I, so I have three brothers total. Grew up in Charlotte. Um, went to um, went to one school through uh, 12th grade. And then um left there and I went to Georgia for two years and then I transferred to UNC. Um, and you know, I was very interested in art. Um, and so, but, uh, you know, in speaking with my parents, you know, kind of where should I, where should I go? Should I go to RISD? Should I go to, and we kind of all decided together that getting a liberal arts education would be, um, great for, you know, just a foundation uh and then to specialize into things afterwards so um i ended up because i transferred i lost a few hours and i was living in um paris doing a semester in paris with two of my girlfriends from unc um to finish my french credits mm. and I, I was learning uh political science in french uh was, you know difficult and then yeah. um uh, then I called my mom after I finished the semester and I was kind of like, so what do I do now? And she said, well, what do you love? And I said, fashion. So she said, okay, well, there's a Parsons. Why don't you take your, I had taken, I was, um, I had gotten into a great program. Georgia has a great, uh, graphic design program. So I had, um, done a lot of work, um, paintings, drawings, um, and was able to submit that to the Parsons in Paris. And, um, they accepted me right away and I was able to enroll and halfway through the year. And so then I took, I started my um, fashion design program in Par- at Parsons in Paris, which was mm. one of the coolest things anybody, everybody should try and do it just because you, you know, instead of going out to sketch, you know, a lovely landscape, you go to the Paris opera house and sketch the, you know, staircase, you know, yeah. or it's just like the most magical things to sketch. So anyway, um, finished, uh, that semester at Parsons, I, um, my three, my two other girlfriends and I, we all lived with a French family. So we really did. I mean, you, you learn French and you, you start to think it, you start to dream it. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, and then we moved back to New York after that. And so I, I've, I completed my, um, fashion design program at Parsons in New York city. And I've worked for 12 years for other brands as a designer for other brands, um, before launching Mignon Gavigan in 2014. Incredible. I'm curious where like uh, this journey and avenue kind of started. Like, what sparked your interest in design? Um, anyone in your family? What did that? What led up to that? And then kind of studying that as well. 
Sure. Um, so my mom is very creative. My grandmother, her mother was very creative. Um, my grandmother would take away apart watches and, um, put them together into beautiful little medallions that she'd hang on the end of chart at the end of chains. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my mother has the most beautiful handwriting. It could be, um, like a font or something. And Mm -hmm. I just remember, you know, even as she was doodling, as she's talking on the phone, I was little, the, the pictures that she great are just like out silhouettes of flowers or whatever were just beautiful. And I think both of my parents encouraged me to, um, Art was something that I was always interested in. I was in, um, I would go down to our basement and create just worlds out of paper. So paper flowers or paper, I'd create like our, um, my mom's caravan of four kids. And I'd create like Mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the um, kids um, chair, the, the, you know, the car seat out of paper, everything was made out of paper. Or I go into my dad's closet and steal a pair of his old jeans because I loved the wash. And then I'd cut them up and staple them back together. So they fit me. So they had like the nice wash on the thigh area and they had the boot cut, you know, down at the end. Um, and I went to, um, my school that I was, that I had attended had encouraged me to go to North Carolina school of the arts during middle school, which has a fantastic art program, uh, visual art program, painting mm. and <clears throat> drawing. Yeah. And they, um, I get there and the, the school that I was attending was pre-square and, you know, dress code stuff. So I show up to this art school and they were like, Oh, the ballet school's down the road, right down there. And I was like, no, no, no. I mean, just cause I don't have like black eyeliner around my eyes and like wearing you know huge a whole you know pants with like holes in them and stuff doesn't mean I you know I'm not in the right spot so um, (laughs) I ended up my mom actually took me to Goodwill and we went and found some like old kind of grandpa pants and some like cool button down (laughs) polo shirts that we uh that I ended up she unfortunately was letting me borrow her like alligator belt and um (laughs) we left it there so somebody got a really good on a, on a sweet alligator belt. But, um, I think it's just always been in, it's, I, it like pours out of me to be honest. Um, my, um, I think my first, my kindergarten teacher, my first grade teacher were saying that they were excited to have me operate on them at one point when I become a plastic surgeon, I guess, cause I was so precise in my drawing, yeah. and my, you know, my cutting out of shapes and staying in the lines. And, um, so, uh, I definitely always wanted to do something in, um, in the, in the creative art field. And mm-hmm. my parents were very supportive. Uh, but they also said, which obviously I, I've had jobs always. Um, and they were just like, well, figure it out, you know, figure out what you can do, but you can also support yourself. So, you yeah. know, out of the gates, I couldn't just go be a painter or something because, you know, the canvases cost money, the paint costs money, the paint brushes, like the workspace, you know, um, and so, you know, also following my passion of fashion and mm. uh, artistry uh, led to where I am today, really. Yeah, incredible. Um, kind of going back to where we were talking earlier is your, um, your schooling. I would love to talk about when you graduated, what kind of job path and career path did you take before launching Mignon Gav again? You mentioned some other uh, jobs in fashion. What did yes. that look like? What were some of those positions, et cetera? Sure. Um, and, you know, I would encourage anybody who's listening to this to f- feel feel free to reach out to me because mm-hmm. um, and however I can help you, I will. 
uh, because I had, I felt like it was so hard to find that next job or like, mm-hmm. how do I even find people? How do I get there? Um, so I went to Parsons in Paris and then transferred to Parsons in New York city, lived with a crew of chicks. And we, you know, shared, we, there were like six girls at one point living in an apartment in Chelsea. Cause it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we're sharing rent. And, um, so I started working at Parsons, um, in New York city and, um, not working, going to school there. So I was going to school there full time. I was, I had an internship at Mark Jacobs working in his sample room. Uh, and then I also was working at Asprey as a PR assistant, um, so that I could pay my rent and eat barely. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, uh, that job led to, um, oh, so that school led to, um, uh, this person, he came in and he had um, started this company called Form, which was the coolest thing. You know, we were hanging out with like the crew that was designing for helmet laying and then the crew that was designing for um, just all these cool brands that mm. in New York City, everybody wore black. I mean, it was when yeah. we would hang out together. It was just like the coolest thing. Um, Kelly Catrone did our PR. Um you know, she was scary, but, you know, cool. And so um, it was this, It you know, it was everything I thought New York fashion was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after three years of working there, doing huge runway shows um, and be- making beautiful clothing, um, it was truly a, you know, and I say this about all of the, the, the companies I worked for, big and small, this was a small startup. And so mm-hmm. um, I needed to go to a big one after that because I needed insurance, health yeah. insurance. I needed dental insurance. I had cavities at that point, you know, um, and I needed to know that my paycheck was actually going to come through so I could pay my rent and so I could eat. Yeah. And uh, so they were each, I feel like huge learning experiences. I, I felt like it was almost like having a, getting a business degree um, <laughs> at all these other jobs. So the 12 years I worked at for, um, I was an apparel designer for three years. Then I was a handbag designer. Um, and then I was a footwear designer for a long time. <clears throat> wow. And I worked at big companies, small companies, and I was able to um, learn from each of them really important business advice. Um, you know, one being at, um, at so I worked uh, for Rachel Roy, her footwear company, and it was owned by Nine West. And, you know, the president would come and sit in our design reviews. Mm. And the first, you know, probably my first design review when I was there, you know, I, I had sit, I had design these intricate, you know, boots and, um, you know, these things with lots of details and, and things on them. And he's like, Mignon, scale it back. He's like, Jessica Simpson has a huge footwear business. And do you know why? He's like, there is a peep toe patent leather nude pump. That's a stiletto platform that is literally carrying her business. So what does that look like for this brand? What are our simple flats? What's that Tory Burch flat look like for us? What does that rag and bone booty look like for us? What is that? Um, so, you know, creating those, like he um, equated it to a, a layered cake. So like the largest layers on the bottom, that's yeah. your core, super simple styles. That's what is going to pay for your even cooler and even cooler um, pieces up above that elevate your brand. Mm. Um so that was very interesting. And then I worked for Leffler Randall at their um, their company. And, you know, Jesse and Brian have just really created something. She's got such a great sense of style and so true to herself and what she likes. And I think that is 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 just exudes 
in um, their branding and their imagery. And so that was another really cool learning experience. And, and at all these companies, I yeah. was sent to the factories and then sent on inspiration trips. So mm. um, sent to Hong Kong and then we'd go to Shanghai or we'd go shop Hong Kong and we'd go, you know, and the shoe factories in China are about an hour and a half, two hours outside of Hong Kong. So, but mm. at least we'd have a day on either side to kind of see what was happening in the stores there. What was, you know, it's just, I love Hong Kong. They're just like the coolest, most interesting new fresh things to look at yeah. uh, uh other places we made shoes was uh brazil so that was cool when i was also a shoe designer for nine west <clears throat> we'd also go to leather fairs in bologna italy so we'd stay in florence the trains you know it's pretty quick and mm -hmm. so we shopped florence and i remember golden goose hadn't arrived on the scene yet and so and but they were there i mean they they're Italian. They had been yeah. in, in Italy forever before the rest of the world found them. Um, and then, you know, there was also a Paris uh, fabric market that we would attend also. So then we'd shop Paris and then maybe we'd go to Copenhagen or we'd go to Berlin or we'd go to, you know, just like a couple day trips or Antwerp or something cool. Um, yep. Istanbul. So, you know, taking, having, uh, you know, it was literally like uh, it fueled my soul. Yeah. Uh, going to these other places and seeing their um, flea markets and seeing um, just new ways of interpreting fashion or artistry or going and seeing what maybe um, textiles were inherent in these places that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. Or, you know, what does the architecture look like? What does the landscape look like? What are those color stories? Mm -hmm. um, did I wow. answer your question? <laughs> no, no, that's, I mean, you covered it perfect. And I mean, like the journey that you've had is primed kind of what you're doing so well and like set you up for kind of yeah. the launch of Mignon Gavin. Gavin. Yeah. I would love to hear um, sure. what eventually started you or interest you into starting Mignon Gavin in 2014, your own brand now. So um, back in 2007, I was draping a runway dress and I had ripped up a vintage gown and I was draping on a mannequin and kind of getting idea of beadwork on the mannequin. And there was a piece on the floor. And at this point, I just wore black every day, all day. My closet was just all black, um, which is funny because my personality and everything MG is color, you know, yeah. so that came out later. I had to, you know, you find yourself. It's a journey. Um <laughs> And so, um, yeah, so I picked up this piece on the floor, tied it around my neck and with a safety pin, raw edge. It was a scarf and had like, um, it had pearls on it, it had beading on it. It had embroidered bugle beads that were silver. Um, there's some metallic uh, sequins on there. There's some silver sequins. It was on a black um, crinkled chiffon, walked home through Soho into Nulita. And um, literally three different people stopped me and were like, where can I buy that? And I was like, hold up. <laughs> I need help paying my rent. So, you know, <laughs> um, I was like, give me your phone number. I'll have it to you in about a month. So I was at that point, I was working with apparel companies. I was I was working with um, I was working for an apparel company, but I was where the factories were used to making evening gowns, not scarf necklaces. So yeah. <clears throat> no in, uh, jewelry or accessories. And so, um, but luckily I had started working with them. And so, you know, off on the side, uh, I was able to later start making these <clears throat> scarf necklaces for people just here and there doing trunk shows. And they kind of caught wind and caught fire over the next few years. 
Um, and as like a, a person who had never started a company and I, I live in the creative space. So mm. um, running the business, business operation, the finances, um, that wasn't my forte. So yeah. as I started, you know, as I was gaining my experience and my education while working, um, you know, learning about branding, learning about visuals, learning how to build a, a website, build a line sheet, build a, um, I was still working for other people. So, um, I do feel like I, like I told you before, it was almost like having, getting a business degree, <laughs> Yeah, working for these other companies, seeing what worked, seeing what didn't work, seeing how they were successful, seeing what, you know, maybe they could have done better to be more successful. Mm. Um, so then in 2014, uh, it got to a point really where uh, the demand was there. Mm. And so, cause as a creative person, you're kind of like, uh, are they going to like it? Is it going to work out? Is it going to be successful? I'm not sure. You know, yeah. do, I mean, you don't have to like, you don't have to buy a shirt. Don't worry. Don't, you don't have to buy it, you know, kind of like stuff like that. Yeah. So we, um, so I started the first one, my, uh, one of my best friends, she had worked for Tori Birch in her, in Tori's, um, uh, kitchen in New York city. And Chris Birch had said to her, look, Nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows what a tunic is. Nobody, you know, you got to get on the road. You got to take it on the road. So my girlfriend and I, we took that advice and she and I did 30 trunk shows in 52 weeks around the United States. Wow. So yeah, literally, luckily, um, <clears throat> jewelry is pretty easy to pack up. And at that point we were just, um, a scarf necklace company. So the first year we just launched our scarf necklaces. I had this beautiful fringe one, the Le Marcel. I have this Aztec one, and then the the beaded um, pearl one, which was super cool because it it reaches all age groups. Coming from the south too it was a new way to wear pearls. Mm. Um, so we literally, and in New York City, when you come from the south, um, we all kind of gravitate to each other and become friends. And so I just reached out to friends of friends in all these cities we wanted to hit mm. and we come do a trunk show at somebody's home. And then we would reach out to whatever store was there that we wanted to be in. And so we were starting to gain our wholesale business too. We're omni-channel, which means we, yeah. uh, we DTC is very important direct to consumer as well as wholesale. So really? Um, the whole thing needs to flow for us. We're not, it doesn't make sense for us to just be one or the other. Yeah. Um, so after that first year, we were cash flow positive. We would, well, another part of that was exhausting, but it was so rewarding. It was so fun. It's, and, and my friend, she is fantastic. Her name's Kinsey uh, Fenebresk and she's moved. I just moved to Charlotte actually, which is fun. She's moving there too. Anyway, awesome. uh, world's colliding back again. Well, in <laughs> Richmond right now too, um, who hosted us last night, that's one of her best friends who now is one of my super close friends, Carter, she owns a company called CCH collection. Um, but it just becomes, you know, it's, it's like who it's, it's meeting these people, touching them. They now know me, you know, at these trunk shows instead of, you know, Kinsey really taught me how to sell. So instead mm -hmm. of, you know, being like, Ooh, if you don't like it, it's cool. Cause what we, cause Mignon Gavigan is a very interesting and unique and different, I would say, uh, vision of jewelry because of its artistry and the embroidery work. And it's not just metal, yeah. you know, hardware. So, you know, touching these people and, you know, putting something on them and being like, no, no, no this is going to look great on you. Turn around, here's the mirror. And then they're like, Oh, you know, kind of showing them a new way to wear 
uh, jewelry was interesting and fun. And then they could see, you know, you can, you don't have to just wear it with like a black dress or a gray dress, you know, wear it with yeah. whatever you're wearing, you know, what, what's your normal daily, how do I get dressed and what am I wearing and like helping people to see that and be comfortable with it and like to have fun. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a, a fantastic way. Oh, so then we'd come back to New York and then um, we worked out of my apartment down in Tribeca for um, about three years until um, it got to a point where we just couldn't keep doing that. The, just we just <laughs> explode. We were exploding. Yeah. Um, out of the the couple rooms that we had taken over, and um, you know, sitting on the floor, laying out each, you know, printing out all the receipts, all the orders, you know, putting the necklaces on the order, packing the orders, you know, making sure they're in their beautiful packaging, and then you know, shipping them out. Uh, we made best friends with the FedEx lady. Um, you know, she loved my cat too. And so they were best friends. The UPS guy, Cleveland, you know, he and I were like besties. So it ends up, you know, it's, it's a, it takes a village, you know, yeah. to get there. Um, but, uh, you know, those in the very beginning, it's, you know, and I, I would love to talk more about <clears throat> how the mindset, you know, you mm -hmm. kind of wake up and you're kind of like, am I doing this? Is this happening? Is, mm. you know, are we, are we gaining success? Are we moving forward? Are we, you know, how do we do to last now? Um, we're in our ninth year. We'll, we'll be 10 years next year, which is amazing. Awesome. Um, we have a Tuesday morning um, call with our whole team, team meeting. We go over how we're doing to last week, last year, comparatively, um, you know, how are we to our goal for this year? Our Q1 goal, our Q2 goal, um, so constantly measuring is really helpful in terms of if we need to pivot, if we need to try something new, if we need. And so, you know, uh, that's a big difference from when we started. We had no kind of analytics around what was happening. Certainly. Uh, anyway. OK, sorry. Yeah. Did I? No, no, that's I awesome. I, I think like uh, looking back at those early dates, the trunk shows that's like an amazing way. I have uh, founders who are on who are like in food and beverage and they used to do farmer's markets. It's an amazing way to get direct feedback, find your customer, find what kind of like innovations you need to make and then For expand sure. from there. For I'd sure. love to hear um, what is like the percentage of wholesale to D2C today? What do you say majority is online or what, what does that look yeah. like for you? It's um, it's pretty healthy. It's 65, 35 mm -hmm. um, uh, COVID. We went, we were about 70% DTC, um, but What's been great now is there's this resurgence for us right now. A cost of acquisition is so expensive. Mm. So there has been this influx of getting back in front of these people, you know, touching them again, seeing, you know, people want to shop, but they want to shop in person. Um, yeah. They want to see it. They want to touch it. They want to feel it. They want to be, they want to go out and be involved in some kind of shopping experience. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of, of what our percentage was and is it's been pretty much the same the whole time, um, mm. which has been healthy for our brand and our company to, to uh, maintain where we are and what we're doing. Our first department store, which was very important to me. So I'm a, I'm a consumer. I love to shop. I love yeah. my department store. <laughs> um, and my mom was a Pan Am stewardess and she would arrive in London and they'd put, them up at whatever beautiful hotel. And then she tells me stories of like walking into Harrods and, you know, at that point they sold like animals and cars and things like that. Wow. But, you know, uh, so Bergdorf's Neiman Marcus, my favorite store by far. <laughs> and so that was kind of just this goal and mm. this kind of, you know, can we get there? 
Um, and so that first year we did the trunk show story. And then after we kind of had some of these wholesalers, we, um, we then needed somebody who was going to, you know, be with us full time, mm. who, it, who had been in sales. So we had a salesperson join us who had about 10 years of experience. She was fantastic. And, um, you know, mission number one was, can we maintain, can we create a relationship with the Marcus and get mm. in there and have that as our foundation in wholesale? Um, yeah. And so, we were able to, and the buyer, there was a buyer switchover, a younger buyer came in and she was like, this is the hot brand. Um, she brought us in and we've had the most fantastic relationship with them ever since. Um, mm. Constantly in communication, constantly in touch. What do you need? How do we, you know, what are you seeing? How can we help you? Like, here's what we're seeing. Here's our business that's happening. So it's a very symbiotic relationship. Yeah. And um, it takes time. And it takes, it takes, you know, it also takes pivoting, you know, what do you need? How, you know, she, she, and um, the, the buyer and I are very close. And so she'll come in and be like, Mignon, what, you know, what is this? Where's the blah, blah, blah. I need more of this. Like, but, or this is fantastic. This, this is crushing it or, you know, yeah. um, so, and that, you know, I think something else too is, learning how to take constructive criticism um, and take it in a way that I love to hear everybody's opinion. I think that's another thing about trunk shows and constantly yeah. doing just in-person shopping experiences is I love to hear the customer feedback. I want to hear, Oh, this doesn't really fit right. This is too long. This is too short. Mm -hmm. um, also, you know, our customer isn't just one size. So what, you know, if we do do a chain necklace, what size does it need to be? If we do do bracelets, what do they look like? What size are they? Um, you know, or I'd love to see more pink or more blue or more. Um, so yeah. Anyway. It's incredible. I would love to hear kind of, um, from that whenever you get like customer feedback or would do these trunk shows, or even today, when you want to do a new piece, do you listen to the customer? Do they give recommendations? How do you do innovation within the jewelry um, within Gavigan? Great question. So um, the way I, when I felt comfortable starting this company, because I was bringing a new way of looking at jewelry to the industry. When I was mm -hmm. at Parsons, one of our um, teachers said to us, if you ever want to start your own company, your own brand, it's got to be a unique idea. Like what sets you apart? Why are you different? Otherwise there's just thousands of brands out there that you can get lost in. And yeah. so this idea of a scarf necklace and taking this intricate, so uh, Mumbai, India is where all the embroidery comes from. And uh, it's, it's this long line of it's passed down through generations. It was men, um, but this, it's this craft that's passed down through generations and it's the, the amount of work that goes into either the scarf necklaces or, you know, now we've are 80% of our business is earrings. So, you mm -hmm. know, the, the artistry that goes into the earrings, each one is literally a little sculpture. I mean, it takes about a week to make a scarf necklace. Um, there's so much handwork that goes into it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the earrings to make both earrings exactly the same, that takes precision and, um, and just years and years of, of expertise and experience. Um, yeah. and so I felt comfortable launching this brand because I, there's nothing else like it in the industry. So, um, I think that's continued to set us apart yeah. and to, um, 
continue to become just recreate ourselves every season. Now, um, like I was talking about before traveling all these places, I was able to see also, um, new ideas, new things, new techniques. And so I dive in each, um, each collection to some place in the world, um, Uzbekistan, Guatemala, uh, you know, some place in the world that's doing interesting things. And, you know, maybe it sparks, um, like during COVID, we did a trunk show in Midland, Texas. And then I drove mm-hmm. down the big bend and ended up in Marfa. And when I was in Marfa, I went into the store and I saw these incredible tunics with this, these embroidered little, um, either birds or trees or whatever on it, kind of in a, in a linear, uh, design. And I was mm. kind of, where did this come from? It's called a huipil. And that's comes from Guatemala. There's this lake and there's like 20 different cities, towns around this lake. They all speak different languages and they all wear these tunics that the embroidery is as different in each one. Um, mm. They're like their own little town. They speak different dialects of um, their language. So it's just, you know, opening your eyes to everything that's out there and then translating it in a Mignon Gavigan way so that other people can gain an understanding of something far away and outside of themselves to maybe spark an interest to maybe go there and see it. Or, you know, at least there's constantly new inspiration um, coming from, you know, our brand to the jewelry market where Mm. I never want to look at another jewelry brand and say, oh, you know, take inspiration from there. I want like those people are now also all my friends. So all of us in the jewelry space, COVID was fantastic because we all leaned on each other. We all became friends. We all helped each other out if we needed, you know, we even like shared employees if we needed help paying them. Mm. we all like ask each other questions. We, you know, if somebody's somebody's worked for somebody and then they switch to the next person, you know, like getting a recommendation from them. Um, it's been pretty wonderful because where I started back at that first company that was a collective and everybody wore black and it was, you know, there it was, it was kind of like you walk in and you're kind of scared. Is somebody going to yell at me? You know, like, did yeah. I like a minute late or whatever? Um, it's come a long way since then. And, and having worked at so many other companies, I was able to see that I want to build a company where people uh, build it on the premise of kindness. Mm. You know, if you mess up, don't worry about it. I mean, please don't do it again, but, um, you know, we'll all fix it. We'll all come together. We'll all, uh, make this work. Um, but when you walk in, I want you to feel, um, I think if, if you feel supported, in that way, you'll, you will be a much better, you will, the way that you, you know, do your, go about your daily tasks or, you know, the way that you think about coming to work, um, you'll just be much more successful for all of us. If there's this inherent kindness between, um, everybody that you're working with, we, and we sit in New York, our office is a open platform. So Mm -hmm. everybody's, you know, we do have, um, three different conference rooms that you can go into and have a serious conversation if you need. Um, but also it's, you know, bouncing ideas off of people has been, is just really important. You know, somebody's yeah. on this and, but, oh, I could help out with that a little bit. Here's something, you know? And so um, anyway, sorry, I, I, did, I just go off on a tangent, yeah, but so, uh, in uh, 2014, I did feel confident enough to start this company um, with the scarf necklace idea, you know, minimalism, minimalist jewelry was what was in, in vogue at that point. So I was kind of like, Hey, 
super different, really colorful, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, couldn't be more different from minimalist jewelry, but um, it, you know, it took off and it's, and it's awesome. continued to grow. Um, we have a fantastic um, repeat customer rate, which is, I think uh, I feel really good about. That's one of the things I feel most proud of, to be honest, which yeah. um, is kind of like if, uh, and I do think some of these people is it, they feel so uh, connected to the company because they've met me and we've mm. talked and we've like um, exchanged. Oh, how do you like to wear? What are you know? Who are you? What is this? You know, how does this make you feel? If people tell us if they have a big presentation they need to give in the boardroom or like walking into the law firm, uh, the you know the court big day at court that day. They put on one of our scarf necklaces. It gives them confidence. Mm. Um, or like walking Certainly. into a room and they've got our bird earrings on, they've got lots of feathers and, you know, they just, people are attracted to the interesting nature of the pieces. And then they, um, you know, then there's questions asked, where do you get that? What is that? What's that made out of? Um, and then the, a conversation starts, wow. um, which has been really cool. That's awesome. I love all the learnings you have from like the, such a broad, extensive journey. I'd love to hear, this is how I conclude each episode. If you sure. can share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, something you've learned along your way, um, what would that be? So great question. Um, mm -hmm. I would say the first thing is lead with kindness. Like we talked about, um, mm -hmm. treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, but also don't give up. This is a slow roll. <laughs> yeah. This takes a long time. Um, you know, when you keep waking up in the morning, just keep going, you know, keep following your passion, keep building it. I would say one, one other thing, surround yourself. My, um, one of my great friends in New York city, Lydia Finette, she just wrote her second book. It's called claim your confidence. She said this to me two nights ago at, um, and she said, surround yourself with people who are also striving to be their best self, mm. striving to work hard, striving to get to their next place. Um, you know, our team is built up with people who are constantly coming in and pushing themselves. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to meet people and I ask to meet people and like talk to them to see what are you doing? How are you doing this? Um, yeah. how can I be better? Um, because nobody, there's no set path, you know, there's yeah. no, there's no book on, I mean, sure there are thousands of books, but <laughs> you know, your personal self in order, what is your road to get to the next place or achieve the most success? There's no one way to do it. And so mm -hmm. I think the more you can surround yourself and lean on people yeah. to, um, of who've started other brands and are, are doing it, what are they finding successful, mm -hmm. uh, is just a great way to be. Amazing. Well, yeah. again, Mignon, thank you so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Mignon Gavigan at MignonGavigan.com. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.